Welcome to Free and Figuring It Out, a weekly podcast hosted by two Brits, Sherelle Griffith and Verity Brown, on a mission to support, empower and reassure fellow independent millennial women that they can be self-sufficient, successful and seen. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Free and Figuring It Out. It's Verity here and this week I have been uh, figuring out um social media and taking a break from it but like a complete proper break as in maybe even totally coming off it all together now as a marketer <laughs> Charles just gasped as a marketer this is quite um uh, a big decision as in like it's not as easy as just sort of deleting everything and saying okay bye and and walking away because social media is a huge part of my professional life as well as my personal so I've sort of been contemplating this for quite a while now as to how I can do this um and still honor um anything that I need to do from a professional capacity with with social media um for those of you who've listened to the podcast like I have a love-hate relationship with social media and I think it just because of where I'm at it in my life at the minute it's probably more harmful than beneficial to me um so I've sort of decided to take like a good five six seven month break from it um as in I think the best way for me to do it is to log out of my personal accounts um because I may still need to use it for professional reasons um and do it that way um so yeah and just also sort of you know I have accounts with certain things that I do where I'll need to sort of leave like a holding message on explaining Mm -hmm. that I'll be back like in six months or whatever which I feel fine with like I don't don't know Sherelle maybe it'd be interesting to hear how you'd feel about doing something like that but for me it doesn't bother me you know putting up a post saying I'll be back in six months see you then and and I'll put my email everywhere so my emails will be open I just it's just the whole social thing that I need to step away from so I might surprise you and say, actually, I don't think it's that radical an idea. So it does shock mm-hmm. most people. But I would say it's been a very long time since I've really used social personally. So mm-hmm. I have like the Instagram that everyone has, like is my is my full name. But I have another Instagram account because I, which actually like my best friends, I follow them on, and I haven't posted anything up in over a year because I've actually just yeah. totally from a personal perspective, haven't done anything. My Facebook, I really, like, you're quite, like, actually write things. Like, I see things asking about, like, you're figuring out for last week, which was about female, um, <laughs> what they call mechanics, was actually, like, you posted that on your Facebook. Like, you do what I class as, like, normal posts, whereas, actually, if you go to my personal profile, it's mainly I talk about things that are related to something I do in my purse in the public arena so it might be I mentioned about like it could be a podcast right. episode it could be you know what something's happening in book club it could be doing my marketing consultancy but there's very rarely that I do something that's super actual just normal personal so I I think it's absolutely valid to step back and actually it's quite funny I was just before we were sort of recording I was saying I've really got into TikTok because I don't have any I don't put anything on the account so I feel like it's the one place where I'm just social for me as a person not for a business 
I think what's difficult is some accounts like like Instagram obviously you can just have your business account you can do whatever you need to do for clients you can disappear but like LinkedIn it's like you have to you have to be a person to like manage someone's official page and you have to it's the same with Facebook and it does annoy me actually because I um in the past I've had a few clients where I've been doing their actual social media for them and I hate feeling like I can't look at my personal stuff at the weekend or like I can't log in without then getting all the work stuff so I do just think that's that's the thing the social media channels don't necessarily help so I, I think personally do it I think it's good for you I think actually most of us would have a better life if we left it all behind (laughs) yeah and that's that's you've made a good point there and this has been a bit more of my figuring out sort of detail as the whole Facebook thing because I have to be on there as Verity to manage anything for clients and I don't want to be on there as Verity I just want to manage the stuff for clients and there's no way of doing that I can't log out of my own account and still manage stuff for the clients so yeah that that irritates me a lot whereas Instagram I can just log out you know I I can log out of my personal account so um yeah I it feels good and I've thought about it for a little while um and yeah I just need to sort of get a few things in place and then Mm. I will bon voyage yeah Miss Zuckerberg does need to listen because actually when I had a, a job I had a corporate job for a big name I was so resistant to getting the Facebook attached to, to me as an admin for so long because I just was like, I, they get notifications 24 seven and it, it is difficult. Yeah. They, they should make it that someone can be an admin on a page without having to actually have a personal profile um, because I don't mm. think it's, it would help all of us actually to be able to switch off, whether that's you want to switch off permanently or you're just someone like me, it's like, I totally don't go on social the whole weekend. And if I want to log in for one thing to do a client something, I shouldn't have to have had to then see everything else sort of thing. So, well, from social media, bye-bye, to possible social suicide. So after much <laughs> deliberation and contemplation and blah, 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 I decided to leave London, full-on leave it behind commit 100% to living in Nottingham and seeing what the future brings and there is a massive part of me that's just like oh my god is this social suicide you're 33 you're single what are you doing (laughs) um what is it FOMO the FOMO is real um and actually I had a really nice um last week on a Friday me and a fabulous other um, female business owner who we actually used to work in theatre together in the crazy worlds we met up to have drinks on a Friday afternoon to be like yes living the dream and I got to share some of my FOMO social suicide uh, <laughs> wonders with because you don't really know I was like I don't know how much it's social suicide I was like you know young people have, and I don't even class well see how I still class myself as a young person people like you're 33 need to get a life show I need to grow up <laughs> but I'm not ready to grow up that's a problem so I'm like is this social suicide you know I've known lots of other people that have moved back and they're absolutely fine so I'm like is this all imaginary um you know some people definitely I think last year left London and really enjoyed the slower pace and it's not I just not I don't enjoy the slower pace I've been absolutely happy I would not complain about actually you know what my life has been like for the last 18 months I've been on the whole other than a few few months I've been very fortunate with my situation but it doesn't quite feel like real life is what I've realized like 
I, I can't quite explain it where I feel like I'm I'm happy I'm content and I'm you know business is going great and I'm seeing my friends and I'm, I am doing stuff but it doesn't really feel like real life I'm like I don't know if London is just real life it's gonna take me a long time to think anything else is real life or maybe I'm just always not going to think life's real because I think even when I was in London I had times where I thought well this doesn't feel real so yeah that's what I'm trying to figure out is is it social suicide or is it not mm. well in terms of dating I actually found it easier to date up north yeah. than in London we've talked about this before so I don't think you need to worry and you know when people were like you're moving back to Blackpool how are you going to meet someone and I was like you just need to meet one person like I'm not looking for a whole like boatload of people I just need the one person you know um and and I think also you know for those who listen to the podcast I lived in Nottingham for eight years so I know it really well and Sherelle's from there and has moved back there and you know if you're going to move anywhere you've moved back to a really great city like it's not like it's in the middle of nowhere or somewhere that you know there's not much going on like so you know Nottingham is an incredible city I think so um I think that helps as as well. I think sometimes you think, well, you'd just be in London forever. And then when it happens, you're like, oh, no, that that I'm not. So um, I think you'll be all good. But I I completely get it. I have pangs for London a lot recently. And I don't know why. And I think you always will. I think it's so natural because it is such an incredible place. But with that incredible place comes a lot of money, a lot of energy a lot of everything else you know and and so yeah yeah and I, I think you're right like not only much is a great city and last weekend it was funny we did um two different gardens so we did the magic garden and the secret garden both f- fibrous uh, uh flowers all over the wall so we could take our lovely instagram pictures and all that so you know that it's I definitely feel the city is like has changed since i left um and actually it is more like probably what I would like to feel in terms of being able to like go out and feel like I'm doing something like and feel nice and have a reason to dress up and all that stuff but yeah I think it's just that's what I'm saying I don't know you we won't know for a while if it is or if it isn't but I think it's just that I always expected to leave London but I think in my head I just thought I would have been maybe slightly older or like settling down so you wouldn't have worried about the social suicide as much I think that's the thing but then also what social suicide after you've been at home for a whole year so who knows but still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, and I think a lot of people relate to that completely. And um, so I'm sure most of you will have heard of this in some sort of realm. Um, this was this will be a few weeks ago now when when this episode airs, but it's um, basically a report that came out um, by the IPCC um, regarding um, climate change. Uh, the IPCC are the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Um, and it says, um, in a summary of the state of climate science agreed by 195 countries um, on the 6th of August, um, and that was the day it was published, it said the humanity's role in driving climate change was unequivoc- unequivocal, an upgrade on the language of clear used eight years ago so basically saying that how we live is creating the the kind of terrible uh climate change sort of advancements that's, that's going on 
And it said the Earth is expected to hit the critical threshold of 1.5 Celsius warming due to climate change within the next 20 years, regardless of how deeply global governments cut greenhouse gas emissions under all five scenarios considered by a landmark scientific report. So in a nutshell, it's scary. And, you know, as I'm reading this, there's these horrific fires in Greece um and I think we sort of get used to fires in places like California Australia places that we would normally associate with heat um you know and yeah Mediterranean you get lovely weather but we we never quite you know hear about um like you said bushfires in in places like that so Mm. um and it's just sort of um saying that we really need to start paying attention to this um otherwise well i think it could be the end of life on earth i mean that's that's pretty much where we're heading um because i think there's only so so much temperature that we can increase by before we we, it becomes inhabitable so um yeah i'll link to it this is just a summary on a new scientist article that i read um but so i'll link to that um but yeah it's it's a bit scary and if i'm honest like it, it makes me think well what can i do like as an individual what what can i do um and I think this is where this dialogue needs to continue like what what are the biggest things that i can do to help decrease that is that going to make a difference? Do I need to put pressure on any particular governing bodies, corporate um, organisations to make change? Is that going to make a bigger difference? Like, and I think it's all understanding that. So that's sort of where I'm at at the minute, like trying to educate myself on, you know, what what steps um, can I make um, that's going to help this not become a thing? And protect the earth for future generations so mm. yeah. that's really scary i mean 20 years is definitely um it, it reminds me you know a few weeks ago i spoke about the explained thing about the water crisis and it's that thing mm. it's like once there's an actual date that feels within your like lifetime or it's going to impact you then all of a sudden it becomes a bit more like oh gosh this is a real thing and i think you know climate change it's been quite easy to know it's an issue but it to feel not that immediate. Whereas that is scary to think um, that they've done that and like they've gone through five different scenarios and that's still what it's coming out at. So yeah, definitely, mm. I'll definitely check it out. And it, if you find out any more about, I suppose, what's yeah, what are the the most important things we could be doing, then do share because yeah, that's definitely. Well. So mm-hmm. well, I've been uh, watching something quite different. So. I did mention they explained the water crisis a few weeks ago and I said this is a Netflix series called Explained which I got sucked into hook, line and sinker. But they're really nice because they're, they're probably like maybe normally between like 15 to 25 minutes and they just explore loads of different topics and I've, I just find them like a great little educational little tool. But one of them was on diamonds which really excited <sighs> me so that's interested me. Just <sighs> to think that, you know, you know, now the diamonds are just like seen as such this luxury item and like how, like how do we get them? How, how do they become what they become? So they go through all of this in this um, little, in this episode, that's what you could call it. And for me, it's interesting because I knew vaguely the background of like De Beers and how it was them that created like the diamond ring, the engagement ring. So actually before oh. that, so it's a company called De Beers who they basically 
did marketing campaigns because they wanted to increase the sales of diamonds and so they basically invent it's so clever like you, you should definitely watch it from a marketing perspective you'll be like oh my gosh I'm going because to <laughs> it was basically because they actually and they have a graph where they show like you know the amount of people that used to have a game of diamonds and then like how it just absolutely shot up and how basically the campaigns they originally did in America they you can then see they've rolled them out in other countries so there'll be other cultures where it hadn't really caught on because obviously De Beers is like Western and so the USA and like the UK caught on and there's all those people but there were other um, cultures and societies where they hadn't so then they started running the same campaigns and you see the same pattern over and over again so there will come a point where basically everyone every woman in the world would be like what I expect is to have a diamond ring for my birthday and um, for my engagement but also even this idea of like um so an engagement ring should be three times just um three monthly salary they invented yes, it that should. <laughs> they invented that so this is the thing is like we're pushing something as if it was a societal thing or it's a norm thing no literally a company that owned all basically the majority of the diamonds and De Beers as a company had been uh sucking up other companies and they basically were like making taking control of the diamonds they were doing lots of things behind the scene with supply and demand so after they brought out lots of other companies, they were holding on to them and so shortening the supply to increase the price of them at the same time as saying, if you're getting engaged, you've got to have a diamond ring and not just any diamond ring. It has to be like three times as much. So that side of it is really interesting. I knew bits of it already, but I thought it was very well done, like how it explained on the graph. It was very interesting. And then there's the other side, which is like, actually, you know, diamonds are, they're a, uh, girls best friend they're a limited resource and they they are in certain parts of the world and what happens in order for us to get those diamonds is obviously they so they talk about the whole thing about blood diamonds and like mm. the, like the damage that diamonds have caused and like I come from um my granddad's from Sierra Leone and that's like a country that's been like wrecked by the diamond trade and you can see this pattern of other countries exactly the same way trying to get that natural resource out of the ground has just ruined the countries that um, the countries that they're from so there's like all this that's going behind and then now we have lab diamonds and this idea yes. that we can create diamonds so actually we don't necessarily have to be you know going and digging all these up and pretending there's a, a shortage and all of this stuff because people can make them in a laboratory a scientist can make them now but then there's been campaigns where again marketing has been like no they're not as good they're not real like it's literally this it's the exact same uh compact yeah like it's the same mm. exactly what's in time of it is the same it's just the process of making it that's different. But all of a sudden, marketing is going to make you be like, it's not a real one. And actually, some of them were saying, in fairness, because of the way they're built, they can be like clearer because actually they're built mm. in perfect conditions rather than actually in the in the world, in real life, there's, there's issues. So there's this whole thing about like, you know, are we being conned into buying a real diamond because the marketing has said, don't get a fake diamond when it's actually not a fake diamond. It's a real diamond just is built in a lab not underneath the ground da, da, da. so yeah interesting for multiple reasons so um mm. if you if you've been dying to have a, a diamond engagement for a long time and you're interested in it fine 
if you're a bit of like me and Verity, like a bit of marketing, like a bit of business, but it's supply and demand, some case studies, and it's great fun. And and it's literally like, I think 20 minutes or something like that. So it's not like it's long at all. So and we sound like such a catch. <laughs> I am a catch. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> um, It's funny, isn't it? Like I, the idea of a lab diamond makes my soul want to cry. I'm like, mm. no way. Having said that, the idea of gaining a diamond that has caused any sort of harm to a person an environment whatever also makes me feel the same so I think it's also making us think how where we get our diamonds from like making sure it's ethically sourced um or I suppose the other way to do it is a vintage diamond that mm-hmm. um you know has has been um used before and stuff um but yeah it made me think about um compared it to like you know having a baby like you can have a baby naturally which is like getting a diamond out of the ground <laughs> or you can do it in a lab um where you can probably determine some things can't you I think people do like what do they call them like designer babies where you can determine the gender and mm-hmm. and things like that and it, you still get a baby at the end it's just you know two very different ways of, of doing it that's probably a terrible way to come but that's what came to my head that's what came to mind that's what came to your mind <laughs> So um, no, interesting. I need to. I do need to watch that because um, I do love that series. So we'll pop a link to that. Um, so while you've been watching that, I started watching um, a series called uh, "The Secrets of the Museum." It's the second season, um, and it's on the BBC. And it's basically uh, following the team of experts and conservators who are hard at work behind the scenes of the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. Now, any Londoners listening, I just think the Victoria and Albert Museum is one of the most greatest parts of London, especially because most of it is free. So if you're like on the weekend before payday and all you can afford is like a oatmeal flat white, then you can just get one and wander around there for hours and hours. And there's such an incredible building in itself and then so many incredible things. Um and yeah, it's just it is what it says on the tin. It's um BBC two. They just go through the museum it was filmed during the pandemic so um I think uh, curators um and conservationists saw it as an opportunity to really sort of um do some of the work that maybe they don't get a chance to do all the time um and it covers such a wide range of things so it'll cover like um like a outfit from a a rock band in the 70s and then it'll look at like this little wax figure from Leonardo da Vinci and it's like such a range of things which is what I love about the V&A it's like nothing's too modern nothing's too old nothing's too it's very very diverse in its collections um and uh and yeah it's just easy watching you know just quite interesting to learn about different um pieces of art you know different like there's like a paper expert I'm like I didn't even know that was a thing this is great um so yeah it's just I recommend it if you just want something again just to kind of stick on you you're interested in art and culture um the VNA I remember was like I realized now was a massive catalyst for like my whole life turning upside down because I went to an exhibition there called the Fabric of India on what would be the last weekend I was with my partner of 10 years I didn't know it at the time but then we broke up literally 24 hours later 
and that exhibition stuck in my mind and it made me then go to India like six months later which then changed my life again so it's quite I have quite a lovely relationship with it um but yeah I just highly highly recommend the museum and the series is great as well I know you just transported me back I used to I have, <laughs> I used to have a job that I, I used to pass the VNA every single day uh, I had to go all the way up and then all the way back down every single day past it and it's such a, a nice museum just to like spend some time going around so yeah definitely we'll have a little look at that program and see mm, what they're doing yeah now so someone popped in my DMs a few days ago it was talking about an f off fund and I was like gosh no one's asked me about an f off fund for a while Obviously, marketing is what I normally talk about, but everyone really knows that I talk to you about money all day long. So I still get people popping in talking. And that that term, which most people don't realise, is actually from the book that I'm going to talk about today, which is called The Feminist Fight Club, an Office Survival Guide by Jessica Bennett. And so it is a very, very outspoken, <laughs> uh, in-your-face, Jessica like yeah she the tone of the book is just like absolutely hilarious and so the the whole point of the actual book is basically like to fight the patriarchy and she was living in New York she had a group of friends and they clearly used to have these like regular chats just to help each other get through and then she decided to write this book off the back of it it's very it's got very much designed so you can dip in and out it's got like little graphics through it it's a very very light light humorous like it's meant to be an entertaining enjoyable read but yeah there is a whole chapter on like basically like pay me properly sort of thing and like get get to grip with your money and so she talks about having an fr fund which is like this idea of you know you having some savings which will mean whether that means you tell your boss to f off because you're like you're not gonna be pay rise you treat me like rubbish etc etc whether it's when you know your other half is an idiot and you're like nah I've had enough of this and all the other reasons so but um I think obviously right now you know I know people are going back to the the office I think office politics and surviving office life is going to be probably even more cumbersome than it was before because now we're like Mm. what like before it was sort of like just the norm we just this is what it is whereas now I think we're all going to question it a little bit more so I think if you are going back to the office and you've got any questions or any just like thoughts or you just want to like help prepare yourself it's just it is a a great book as just a bit of a like serious topics but in a jokey way and so one of the things one of the chapters is called what would josh do (laughs) and the subtitle is carry yourself with the with the confidence of a mediocre white man and i think that just basically explains everything about like the attitude of the book (laughs) (laughs) i thought is this gonna be like a straight cisgender white man that that josh is you know (laughs) okay yeah 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 uh, no, that sounds really good. And we spoke about the FR fund. I nearly swore there, I won't. So Sherelle doesn't have to put a thing up saying we swear. Um, in our money series that we did a few months ago. And we kind of set, what did we discuss? Like three to six months. Yeah, and I don't like, That's what you should have, yeah, of yeah. what you need to live off. So three to six months worth of what you would need to live off if tomorrow someone says you've not got a job anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, bye. Um, but I think what's nice about, uh, Jessica's approach to it is we normally think of it like an emergency fund as a something's gone wrong so yeah someone it's something happened to you mm-hmm. but actually this is about being empowered and actually and you know I I say this as someone who has seen it happen you know I have I 
have had friends that have sat in jobs where we all know they should leave but they can't afford to but also and I saw it so much in London where you're sharing property with someone and you break up but the thought of having to pay rent by yourself is crippling that it's too much and so that's her thing is actually that if this is even though technically on paper it's the same as emergency fund what it's about is you being like I have money to mean that I am not letting people rule my decisions like I can actually make the decisions that's right for me without having to think right now can I afford this and it's like having that buffer so I think that's the thing the whole message of the book is like being empowered like being a strong woman and putting yourself in the best position you can so whether that is you at some point have to walk away or whether that is her giving you advice to how to fight it um Mm. you're in the best place so yeah sounds good no really good yeah very important definitely okay so what is our life prompt this week Sherelle so our life prompt is inspired by our diamonds is what (laughs) is one luxury item you truly desire so for some you know that engagement ring is the thing they want that diamond Beverly wants diamond don't you yes for me hello please listen to this lovely (laughs) partner of mine but it's not it isn't everyone's thing but I do think most people have something inside you like okay this is it feels like that's the thing you're like um leaning towards and I was having a conversation recently with someone like some people really want handbags and they've got like this dream luxury handbag that they're like this is what I want and so maybe your handbag maybe it's a diamond maybe it's something else altogether but what is one luxury item you truly desire and what do you think having that item is going to bring to you because I think it's not about the item it's how we think we're going to feel different it's the actual important bit Mm. <laughs> I'm now thinking of this lovely sparkly diamond ring I mean just thinking how fabulous it would be I just I'd be staring I mean when I get my nails done I stare at them all day long and I'm like oh how pretty are they I mean I can't imagine what I'd be like with a, a diamond ring but yeah I used to have someone opposite me in an office where I felt like every now and again the light from her ring would like blind me <laughs> yeah like, yeah 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 that's so on very was like <laughs> I'm gonna blind you with my ring bing 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 it's funny because well, I, people call me princessy and I suppose I am to a, a certain level, but more in just like my attitude rather than like my possessions. But a diamond ring is just something that it's just I've always wanted one and I always will. Like I can, I'm never going to be one of those women that are like, do you know what? I just like a sapphire and an emerald or, do, you know, for I just, yeah, I'm a sucker. I've said this before, but as marketers, I'm a sucker for that campaign that De Beers must have done. And I want that diamond ring and that is it. So... Well, yeah. maybe you want a diamond ring, maybe you want something else. Have a little think about it and write it down and just, you know, have a think about those luxury, dreamy ideas. And we are done for the day. So thank you so much for listening. It's been lovely to have you here. As always, you can contact us at Instagram at free and figuring it out, or you can email us at free and figuring it out at gmail.com. And we will have a new episode for you next Friday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Free and Figuring It Out. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next installment. And if you want to be a superstar, please leave us a review. Or you can get in touch with us. Drop us an email at freeandfiguringitout at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.